Slayers and Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly, or maybe not so exactly, 20 years after its original air date. So tonight I'm recording, um, this is going to be kind of a twofer a little bit because, okay, last week I watched him and I was supposed to talk about him, but I didn't. I started recording the, I started recording the podcast and I was just not feeling it at all. And I did like a little 10 minute summary and it was terrible. So we're not going to include that here. I knew even then that I was going to tack it onto the beginning of this episode, but I'm not even going to put it on here. So let's do a quick recap of him, which is the episode that I should have talked about last week. Don falls in love with a football jock at school, and before long, Buffy, Anya, and Willow have fallen for him as well. So this is what I would consider to be a... A forgettable episode, but if you're not analyzing it, it's fine. Like, it's just, like, a little bit annoying, but it had funny moments. There was a lot of music cues in this episode. Like, a ton, a ton. There was just music everywhere in this episode. There were some funny sight gags. There were some good, maybe not good jokes, but, you know, it was, if you're not taking notes to do a podcast, analyzing an episode of television, it's fine. (laughs) So it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but I still didn't want to talk about it, essentially. Um, I didn't want to take notes. I didn't want to watch it a second time. So I just watched it the one time with my mom, like I always do on Thursdays. And that was it. That's all I did. So it's fine. I'm for, I mean, I haven't done this yet in the entire course of this podcast, but I am going to just, uh, just not do a full discussion of that episode. I still watched it, but I'm not going to do a full discussion. So there you go. Let's move on to the one that aired 20 years ago today, November 12th, 2002 conversations with dead people. The summary, according to Nikki Stafford's Bite Me episode guide, Buffy, Don, Willow, and Andrew all encounter dead people from their past who help them understand who they are now. (laughs) Um, So this episode is maybe a top 10 for me, maybe in the top 10, definitely in the top 20. Um, I don't know. It's... I like it. I like it a lot. My disk drive just started up for some weird reason. Why is it doing that? I don't know. Anyway, um, hopefully the episode won't just start playing randomly in the background because that would be loud. Okay. So I, I, and after the episode was over, I was, when I was watching it with my mom on Thursday, I kind of looked at her like expectantly, like, what do you think? It's one of my top 10. I said, I said that. And mom's like, really? (laughs) So she was completely unmoved by this episode, I think, but I really like it. I like, I love the song, Angie Hart, who was the lead singer for several different bands, but the one that I'm most familiar with is Frente. She was the lead singer of Frente and Splendid, um, and Splendid, a song from Splendid had been on the show already in the earlier seasons, probably season one or two, um, when, when all the good music cues were back then. I mean, there's been some good ones since, but like, um, yeah, stylistically, I enjoyed the first couple of seasons the most when it came to like, you know, music and fashion and all of that stuff. Anyway, and my Venus is in Libra, so I'm pretty, pretty intense about fashion stuff. (laughs) Anyway, um, 
what was I saying about that? Oh, so the episode begins and ends with that song. We get to hear like the entirety of the song. It was actually written for this episode of Buffy. Like Joss Whedon and Angie Hart wrote it together, I guess. Um, and it's just a sweet little simple song. Um, my object of the episode is Angie Hart's necklace because we actually see her performing the song at the bronze. And I couldn't quite tell if her necklace was, it was silver and it was like a multi-ball chain and then the pendant was silver and it was either a leaf or a feather. Um, I think, I mean, as far as object of the episode, I would prefer it if it were a feather. I think I would like to have a silver feather pendant actually. That's going to be on my next, uh, searching for something on Etsy list. <laughs> because I definitely want that. And the last line of the song, which we get to see the whole song in. So the scene before the credits is just setting up the characters and that they're all alone. Um, we see Buffy walking through the cemetery. We see Dawn getting home from school, I guess, but it's nighttime. Um, but I mean, at this time of year in California, I think it's like full dark by like 4 PM or something. I don't know. I might be wrong about that, but, um, so maybe that makes sense. I don't know. I don't live in California. I mean, here after daylight savings time, it's fully dark by like 5:30 or six, um, at this time of year. So we see Dawn getting home. And we see like a note from Buffy saying like, Willow and I are going to be out late. Here's some money for dinner. Don't get pizza or something like that. Um, Willow is at the library by herself studying. So it's set up that, you know, everybody's by themselves. Everybody's going to be alone tonight. And the lyric at the end of the song is, can I spend the night alone? Um, Let's see. I don't know. I didn't write this down. I don't know if we see Spike in this opening scene. We might just see like one little glimpse of him like sitting at a bar by himself. I'm not sure if it's this early in the episode that we see him. Whatever. It doesn't matter. At some point we see him sitting alone at a bar. So he's part of the characters that are alone. Then we get the theme song and then we get a scene between Jonathan and Andrew. So they're not alone. They're together. Um, and they're in a car. They're coming back from Mexico. They make some fucking culturally insensitive jokes, but it's good to see them. Finally, finally, we're on episode like seven or something of the season and we hadn't seen them yet. Um, and I was just waiting for them because I'm so excited how much we get to see Andrew this season. He's just such a fun character. Um, let's see. Dawn does get pizza and she's just dancing around the house. You know, this is, I actually, the scenes with Dawn, I kind of like, um, because it's very reminiscent of a horror movie, you know, like the TV coming on even after she's unplugged it and, you know, all that kind of shit. I, I kind of like it because she's, she really takes control. Like she finds a spell. She starts doing a spell to cast out the, cause the whole thing with her is, I don't think we ever get a satisfying explanation for this whole thing. Like, is it the first that's talking to Dawn as well as Willow? Because the first is influencing Spike, as we'll find in the next episode, we'll find out that he has, you know, uh, what's it called? A trigger? He has a trigger, like a military type trigger thing that puts him in killing mode or something. So the first has done that to Spike, as we'll find out. Um, Buffy's talking to a vampire. Um, 
Willow's talking to the first. I don't, they don't really ever explain further what is actually going on in these scenes with Dawn. Like, was it actually her mom coming through to give her that message? I don't know. Because essentially the whole scene with Dawn, I guess I'm just going to go through these one by one, kind of. But because although throughout the episode you're seeing little glimpses of each of their storylines and it's not put together until the end what's going on with each of them but Dawn's storyline is she's hearing like some banging on the walls and she keeps seeing glimpses of her mom as well so she gets the idea that her mom wants to come through to give her a message so there's something keeping her from coming through to give her a message so she casts that thing out whatever it is um doing spells and i wrote down part of her spell um hold on i cast you out with the strength of those who love me i cast you out with the strength i have inside me which i really like because i use almost all of my lines from spells whenever i'm doing my own spell shit I use almost all the lines from spells for spells from like Buffy or the craft or things like that. Um, and I think I need to take that one. I like that. Um, okay. Where are we? So in the end of Dawn's little storyline, the house is completely destroyed. Oh my God. It looks, it looks like all the houses did in, in my town after the tornado hit. It really does kind of upsetting and also just I hate I hate seeing Buffy's house destroyed every fucking time I just hate it it's all I can see I never can pay attention to fight in fight scenes because all I'm thinking about is the destruction of whoever's house or whatever <laughs> like that's the thing that's always distracting to me but anyway so when Joyce finally comes through and talks to Dawn. She says, you know, things are coming. Things are almost here. Um, when it gets bad, Buffy won't choose you. She'll be against you. And in Nikki Stafford's episode guide, she says that this comes to pass in end of days. I kind of want to look at that. Which That's like the next to last episode, maybe. Um, okay, hold on. Chosen. End of days. Here we go. Buffy and the gang prepare for the upcoming battle. Buffy receives the last part of the puzzle that tells her where she came from and why she's the chosen one. I don't know what that means. Because I don't actually remember their, this coming to pass as like a time when Buffy chooses doesn't choose Dawn unless we're talking about when she tries to she tries to like she convinces Xander to chloroform Dawn and take her away at the end unless that's what we're talking about I don't know anyway I guess I'll be paying attention to that as we go forward because I don't I don't remember there being a time when Buffy is against Dawn or doesn't choose Dawn or whatever the fuck I don't know what that means um so I don't know if this is actually Joyce coming through and giving a message to Dawn or if it's the first fucking with Dawn I, I don't think we ever get the answer to that I might be wrong anyway let me know let me know <laughs> Send me an email, mixedjustray at protonmail.com. Do you know the answer? Is this the first or is this Joyce? Do we ever find this out? Okay. Um, okay. So the whole thing with Willow's storyline is that Cassie, the girl that, excuse me, that had the, from a few episodes ago where she had the premonition that she was going to die. And it's a pretty good episode, really. Um she comes through to talk to Willow because, and there's this whole explanation of like, you, like she is there. She tells Willow that she's there to talk to her, to give her a message from Tara. 
And, of course, you're sitting there going, ah, why isn't Amber Benson here? I don't understand. This would have been so much more effective. And apparently, according to the Nikki Stafford episode guide, she was supposed to be, but there was some kind of, like, scheduling problem at the last minute or something, and she couldn't make it to film, which sucks because, like, if if this weren't, like, broadcast TV, they could have taken their time and waited so that they could get Amber Benson because it would have been worth the wait because this scene would have been so much more effective if it was Amber Benson because, as we'll find out later, um, the first can present itself as anyone who has died. So this whole scene would have been so much more effective if it were Tara. And of course, the the chick Azura Sky is her name that played Cassie is a is a good actor. Like it's it's not these scenes aren't completely terrible or anything and Willow really sells it. Like as soon as she realizes that like Cassie's there to give her a message from Tara. She's like, Tara, <laughs> baby. <laughs> and she immediately like starts crying and it just like, it immediately got me, man. So that's one thing. Like, I don't think, I don't know. I've said this before, but I don't think Alison Hannigan is, I don't think she has an incredible range as an actor, but she can do vulnerable and crying. She can do that really well. <laughs> <laughs> and she sells it in these scenes. So the whole thing with the first fucking with um, Willow, she's just trying to get her to kill herself is what she's trying to do, actually. And once Willow realizes that at the end, once finally, and there was a lead up to it, you know. Oh my God. My cat just like slammed against the door or something. What's she doing? Anyway, um, there was a lead up to it, but whenever Cassie finally does suggest towards the end of that conversation slash the end of the episode, once she finally does suggest that, you know, Willow can make it all stop, she just has to, um, and she can be with Tara again. It's not so bad. You know, she doesn't actually say it, but as soon as Willow realizes what she's suggesting. She like her face changes and she stands up and she says, who are you? Which good on Willow for figuring it out, putting the pieces together. You know, she's the smartest in these little vignettes. Like I feel like she was the, maybe she's the MVP because she got it. She got it and she stood up for herself and she made me feel things. So I'm going to give it to Willow just because I like her the most in this episode. Um, let's see. Where are we? So we get that. Um, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but back to the scene to right after the, the theme song. Jonathan and Andrew are coming back. They're coming back to Sunnydale. And you don't really know why yet, except that they want to redeem themselves, you know? I think they kind of mentioned that, that they want to... That they um, have been having nightmares. <laughs> it eats you starting with your bottom. <laughs> Instead of from beneath you, it devours. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, and I, I really liked that. That's the quote of the episode. It eats you starting with your bottom. I was, I've been waiting for him to say that since episode one. I've been waiting. I don't know. I think about that all the time. I probably say it once a week. It eats you starting with your bottom. Anyway, oh, we do get this little moment. You know how I said, like, we'll never see Kit again. Um, that friend that Dawn made in the first episode, we don't, we don't ever see her again, but she is talking to her on, Dawn is talking to her on the phone whenever like all the, um, banging on the wall, like horror movie stuff starts. She's talking to her on the phone. We hear her call her Kit at one point. And she also just like 
hangs up on her with no explanation too while there's some crazy shit going down so like what does kit think is happening i don't know she should have come over right <laughs> she should have come over to check on her friend but she didn't um vamp recognizes buffy okay so this is um going back to the cemetery at the beginning of the episode again so um the vampire recognizes Buffy and it turns out his name is Holden. He went to school with her. He was, um, in college to, he was a psych major and, um, he starts kind of psychoanalyzing Buffy. So that's the whole conversation with dead people for Buffy. She's talking to this vampire that she's about to kill and she ends up really opening up to him. Um, and it's, it's just such a, I love it. I just love it. <laughs> the one-on-one, -on -one, like, psychologically deep conversations, you know, I'm into that. I'm into that whole thing. Um, let's see. Oh, and there's this little exchange. Buffy says something about, like, she's not so much connected. She's not feeling connected. And Holden says, you fight, you do this a lot. You, you like fight vampires professionally. And Buffy's like, well, I don't get paid. So I just, I had to bring up that little exchange because you know how I am. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast for more than two episodes, I almost always mention that Buffy should fucking get paid for this shit. Angel does. Angel gets to have angel investigations and Buffy doesn't get to be paid. She just has to do it out of the goodness of her heart because she's a woman. Yeah, Buffy's not really the feminist show that it wishes it was, you know? We find out that Scott Hope is gay. According to the episode guide, this was sort of like a little nod to the guy that played Scott Hope's character, who was... Buffy dated him for, like, a second. She, like, kept trying to go on dates with him whenever Angel first came back from hell, back in season three. Um... And he kept wanting to, like, take her to a Buster Keaton film festival or some shit. I don't know. Something that Buffy wouldn't normally be into. But <laughs> anyway... He was, he was kind of a cute boy, but, and she did go out with him for a few episodes, like a handful of episodes. He was like, he was there, still forgettable, but anyway, the, the guy that played him, um, I guess ended up on Queer as Folk. So this was like, um, and I never saw that show, but that was just a nod to him where he was at that point in time, like... Yeah, he came out. He's gay now. Whatever. Um, we do get this fun little visual gag of Buffy laying on one of those above-ground tombs um, and talking to Holden, you know, opening up that whole thing, which this whole thing is a bit contrived. I mean, I guess Buffy is comfortable enough with slaying vampires that she can sort of let her guard down in this way, but to me it seemed a little much. Like, Buffy wouldn't normally let her guard down this, like, literally let her guard, guard down. Like, she wouldn't be laying next to this guy, you know, whenever she knows that they're going to fight to the death eventually during the night. She knows that this entire time. Anyway, um, Jonathan and Andrew in the school, and they're talking about how they their mission is to go find the seal of Danzelthar and uncover it and then go find Buffy to bring her there and show it to her, which this whole thing is just a ruse because we find out as soon as Andrew and Jonathan get separated for a second, we see Warren show up and start talking to Andrew. So Warren as the first as Warren has been, um, manipulating Andrew. So the first is manipulating Andrew, is trying to manipulate Willow, has already successfully manipulated Spike a lot. And we've seen it with Spike. We've seen the first talking to Spike several different times, but I, I don't think the audience was supposed to get what was happening yet. We just we're supposed to think that Spike was haunted by his past demons. Um, I think, I mean, there was that 
scene in the very first episode where we saw all the big bads from the other seasons, but I don't think we were supposed to know that it was the first yet until this episode. Because at the point when um, Willow's like, who are you? Um, it answers as Cassie. It answers with saying something about, I'm over this whole mortal coil, good versus evil thing. I'm past that now. And that was a little nod to the first time we met the first, the first original primordial evil or whatever the fuck. It's just like an entity. Um, the first time we met the first was season probably three. Might have been. No, it was three. It was three because Faith was in that episode because I was extremely angry in that episode because Faith came over to hang out for Christmas and Buffy left to go fucking talk to stupid Angel all night. That episode where, like, the first had tried to convince Angel to kill himself. Um, yeah. So that's the other time that we've met the first. But at this point, only, like, you know, a really savvy, um, nerdy Buffy watcher would have, like, caught on to that at this moment, you know. But anyway, um, where are we? Um, Jonathan and Andrew talking, like, they want to redeem themselves. They're talking about how, you know, we'll show the seal to Buffy and then, and then maybe we'll be able to join her gang and possibly hang out at her house and like all this stuff. Um, and we, then we see Warren, Cassie says Willow can't see Tara because of what she did, which is a stupid excuse that makes no sense, but it's just because Amber Benson couldn't be there. We see Spike alone at the bronze. There's a cool tombstone shrine thing. Um, I just had to point it out because it was cool. Um, it was like there was a Mary statue and a little cluster of candles and stuff. It just looked really cool. It's like in real life, that probably wouldn't be in a cemetery just because it wouldn't stay, right? I mean, I guess there probably are places, maybe LA, just like the weather is so mild that you could just do something like that. I mean, I guess it doesn't rain super often there and it's always like 70 degrees and beautiful. So maybe it's not super windy in LA either. I don't know. I mean, I know we're in Sunnydale, but Sunnydale is a fictional town like an hour away from LA. So anyway, um, okay. Then we get like Holden goes deep, you know, he's like, maybe the reason you have trouble connecting to guys is because you think they're not worth it because you think that you're better than them. And he, he says, you know, and, and I get it. Who could live with that? That, you know, that idea of being the chosen one and blah, blah, blah. Who could live with that for seven years and not feel superior? which makes sense. And this is a theme with Buffy's character throughout the whole season. Like she does think she's better than everyone else. And the idea of being the chosen one is really starting to get to her head. And that makes sense as a character arc for Buffy at this point. Like I'm on board with that truly. And it is something that she, they've been building up to for sure. Um, there's this moment where Dawn almost gets out of the house and she closes the door on purpose and goes back in to face whatever this thing is on her own. So that's super cool too. It's like Dawn, actually Dawn should probably get MVP, shouldn't she? I think she was the bravest out of everybody. I mean, Buffy was just doing the thing she does every fucking night. And Willow was also brave, but she really only needed to be brave in like the last, the last part of that conversation. Whereas all night long, long Dawn was fighting for her life and fighting for her mom and thinking on her feet. And I don't know, she was just fucking badass. That's what she was. Um, let's see. Oh, just funny quote from 
funny exchange from Holden and Buffy. Um, he says something like, oh my god. And Buffy's like, oh your god, what? And Holden's like, well, not my god, because I defy him and all his works. Does he exist, by the way? Is there a word on that? And Buffy just kind of shrugs and says, nothing solid. Um, we see Spike talking to someone at the bronze, like flirting with her or something. We do, There's no audio at all for all the scenes that we see Spike in. We do not see what he's saying to this person. We don't, we don't hear her voice, nothing. Everything is just like, we're just seeing little, little moments, little glimpses of Spike and what he's doing. We can just see that he was at the bar alone and then someone sat down and then later on we see that they're talking and then later on we see that they're walking and talking, changing locations, you know, that's all that we're seeing. It's just like these little glimpses of Spike's night. Um, Cassie tells Willow that she can't do magic anymore. Not ever. Not even one more spell. And when we find out, like, if the first... I mean, I don't think the first is prescient. I don't think that it can see into the future, really. But it must know that Willow is dangerous to it. And so that's why it's... I mean, if it knew... The, the spell, the big spell that Willow does at the end of the season, which if you've never watched it before, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched all of Buffy, probably shouldn't do that because I'm not spoiler free over here. But also, so the big spell at the end of the entire series, Willow does a spell to take the Slayer's power and spread it out so that there are now thousands of slayers like every single potential gets called at once and so it's not the entirety of womanity but it's it's a lot so she is no longer the chosen one right um so obviously like the first realizes that she's a threat. But if the first knew that that was a spell that she was going to do, if the first is prescient, of course, um, is that the right word? Prescient? I don't know. If the first can tell the future, then they know what Willow is capable of. They know what Willow is going to do, but surely they don't know that. Um, but still, it makes sense that they would be trying to convince her to either quit doing magic altogether or off herself. Um, let's see. And it says to her at one point, you're not going to be okay. Cause Willow has had a lot of insecurities about like, she's afraid of if she's going to go off the deep end again and blah, 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 blah. But then in this episode, they decide to write her as if she's gaining some confidence, which we haven't really seen evidence of that yet. Maybe a little, but, um, she, she says, you know, I'm going to, I, I'm worried sometimes and, you know, it's hard, but I'm going to be okay as far as like the magic stuff. And Cassie says, you're not going to be okay. You're going to kill everybody. Um, and that's at this point, I think that's when she kind of starts looking at her with a side eye, like, uh, I don't know. That doesn't feel like something that. Tara would say, you know, Tara would say that in so much more of a delicate way. Even if she was coming to her with that message, she would say it differently. Um, my next note was Jonathan is sweet. He's kind of reminiscing about high school, which is a little silly just because like the high school that they're in right now is not the high school that's familiar to them. So I don't think they would be so sentimental, but whatever. Jonathan's being really sentimental, saying, I wonder what, how everyone's doing. I wonder what's going on in everyone's lives. I'd like to talk to them again, blah, 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 blah. And he's just, you know, you can tell that he just really wants to turn his life around. He wants to start connecting to people. I guess that's kind of the message of the whole episode, right? Is how do you connect to others? And speaking of connecting, I saw like literally my oldest friend last night ran into her. I was at the bar. She came in. 
Um, and I hadn't seen, I mean, I've seen her somewhat recently because she does come into the library every once in a while. So I see her when I'm at work every once in a while, but like, haven't really hung out with her. I mean, we have, there's no bad blood between us or anything. I just haven't seen her in a really long time. And it was amazing. And anyway, I ran into other people last night too. And it was a day that my work has every single year where we close the library and we all get together. And like, sometimes it's traumatic, <laughs> but sometimes it's awesome. And yesterday was actually pretty awesome. We got to like play games together and just, and it, it was really exhausting for an introvert like me because I basically spent the entire day, like the entire eight hour shift with coworkers. And then we went for a drink afterwards. <laughs> and then, uh, I stayed longer because I ran into someone and then I ran into that friend after that. And so essentially I was socializing with people from 8 AM all the way almost to 10 PM, which was crazy for me. I'm kind of like hoarse right now. I don't, I don't know why I didn't get to karaoke. I did want to karaoke that would explain me being hoarse, but I didn't get to. Anyway, I'm having, you can probably hear my voice is kind of dry. Um, so I'm going to keep this a little short, but anyway, the point of all of that is that just having a day of like, just talking to people like actual other human beings in person really got me out of my own head, you know? And it reminded me, oh yeah, like you need people. People need people. And I mean, it's just such a simple thing, but it's like, um, I just, you know, whenever you start like obsessing about something, just like getting in your head about something, obsessing about it, blah, 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 blah. Like all of that was just completely gone after just like actually connecting to other human beings. And it wasn't even like people that are super important to me or people that I see that often or anything. These were all just like acquaintances that I had, but I had a lot of just actual conversations with people last night <laughs> with alive people, <laughs> not dead people <laughs> anyway. Um, and it just occurred to me today that like, oh, I needed that, you know, I really did. Need, needed to have conversations with people, with other human beings, get out of my own fucking head, you know? Anyway, um, where are we? Dawn doing spells with glitter. She, she keeps like, it looks like she's just throwing glitter out while she's doing her spells. I cast you out with the strength of those who love me. I cast you out with the strength I have inside me, <laughs> which is just good. She's being a badass. She really is. And then we get like the monologue from Buffy that is, you know, really emotionally honest. And we just like never see this ever. Um, in the episode guide, let me read. I highlighted part of it. When, let's see, Nikki Stafford says, you can't say any... She can't say any of these things to her friends, but Holden, I'm here to judge you. I'm here to kill you. Sorry. Let me start over. She can't say any of these things to her friends, but Holden, I'm here to kill you, not to judge you. That was a quote from him. Provides an objective voice through which she can express her innermost feelings to the audience. Which, yeah, exactly. And he even says, Holden, the character at the end, he says, you know, there are some things that you can only tell a stranger. Um, and that's true. <laughs> that is so true. Um, what is it? Okay. So this is where she like opens up and we kind of get a little bit into Buffy's interiority in a way that we don't normally see. We normally see Buffy being defensive or Buffy, you know, trying to care about her friends or whatever. We don't normally see her like actually 
processing her emotions in a very real, not defensive way. So she says she doesn't, essentially she says she doesn't believe people when they tell her that they love her. Um, she's like, she knows that her friends love her. She knows that she even starts talking about the spike situation with Holden. And like, she's like, and he loved me, you know, in his own twisted soulless way, he cared for me. I know that. Um, but she essentially says she doesn't feel like she's worthy of love because she feels superior to everyone around her. So she doesn't value their opinions is essentially what she's saying. And I don't think I ever really understood this until this particular walk through or watch through. And I'm like, that hit me this time. I was like, wow, that's dark, man. That's really dark. She doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't touch her she doesn't feel the love from other people because she thinks that no one can know her. So to a certain extent, I, I get, I, I get that. Like, I don't feel superior to other people. Um, but that idea of like, and I think a lot of people can relate to this probably like when you feel like, if you feel like you don't, you don't get vulnerable, you don't let people know you, then you don't believe them when they tell you that they love you. Um, or, or, you know, you believe that they feel it, but you don't place enough value in it because you think, well, you love the me that I show you. And that's not real. You know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? Like if you were a person that's pretty emotionally guarded, this would, this feels familiar to you. Not the Slayer stuff, of course, but not the Slayer superiority shit, but just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm not explaining it well, but hopefully you understand what I'm saying. My brain is not working super well today. <laughs> I used all of it yesterday being social for like 14 hours. <laughs> Um, da, 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 da. okay. Buffy feels she's not worthy of love because their opinions don't matter because she's better than them. And then Holden says to her, okay, so you, you definitely have a superiority complex, but you have an inferiority complex about it. <laughs> so I, I always remember that. Um, that is like the quote that I remember the most from this episode. I mean, besides the you know, it eats you starting with your bottom, but I don't associate that with this episode. I didn't remember where that was, but this is the number one quote that I definitely do associate with this episode. It's him saying that. Um, Buffy actually says the name Spike and Holden's like, what? I, I know that name. He's the guy that sired me. And Buffy's confused. And then it cuts to, we see Spike um, biting the woman and he seems to be enjoying it. It seems like the chip isn't working, all of that stuff. And we will later find out that for some reason, the trigger that he has is not setting off the chip, um, because he doesn't know what he's doing or so something to that extent. And Spike just thinks he has lost time because he has been going crazy and he has had he thought that that's why he had lost time. Like it makes sense in the context of like, he just got his soul. He's kind of going nuts. He doesn't know what's going on. It makes sense to me that like having these lost chunks of time, these like blackouts essentially wouldn't necessarily make him think that he needed to tell someone, you know what I mean? First of all, he doesn't think that anyone gives a shit about him. And second of all, why would he assume that he's hurting people? He wouldn't assume that because he has a chip and he has a soul. And I think there's going to be like some funny joke about how he has a chip, a trigger and a soul. This might not be called a trigger. I can't remember what it's called if it's not called a trigger, but whatever. 
Um, where are we? Cassie suggests Willow kill herself. Joyce says when it gets bad, Buffy won't choose you. So all of this, all of this stuff is happening. All of these reveals are happening at the same time. And then the episode ends with everybody's alone again, essentially, because in the Willow storyline, Cassie has, you know, basically revealed herself as the first, even though she doesn't call herself that. And then she sort of implodes in front of Willow. So she's gone and Willow's just stuck standing there in the library, just bewildered. Um, the girl is gone that Spike was with because he just killed her, which maybe he sired her, actually. I think we do see her as a vampire later. I feel like I recognize her. Um, and then Joyce has disappeared after her message that she had for Dawn, so she's left just sitting in her destroyed house, just like looking around stupefied. <laughs> and then um, Holden's gone because Buffy, as soon as like he said the thing about Spike siring him, she probably just staked him right after that. We don't even see it. We just see him going up in dust, dust and her just sort of like looking around confused. Everyone's befuddled at the end. <laughs> and then... Um, and then Andrew is also alone because he has just stabbed Jonathan. Um, so I kind of buried the lead on that one, but he, he had taken him there to kill Jonathan and Warren had convinced him to do it. The first as Warren had convinced him to do it. So we see Jonathan like bleeding into the seal and filling it up. And I think it has astrological symbols on it. Um, I'd like to see like a more clear picture of this seal of Danzelthar because I think it's like a, a Baphomet um, reverse pinnacle, you know, the goat head thing. Um, and then it must have astrology around it too um, because I, I recognize the Libra symbol like as, as the digital blood was filling in the, the seal. <laughs> which looked really silly, but that's just how it all looked back then, guys. 2002. I mean, some movie effects were better. I mean, you saw The Matrix, 1999. Um, definitely CGI was better when there was more, <laughs> but like people just trying to do that stuff on low budget TV, it always looked bad. Anyway, um, so that's really it. That's the episode. I really, really like it. And I like that it's called Conversations with Dead People because that's essentially what the first is. Because the first is non-corporeal. It can only show up as people that have died. And it can only have conversations with you because it cannot touch anything. It cannot affect anything. So it's all, this whole season is conversations with dead people whenever we're talking about the the big bad of the season and it can show up as Buffy as we've seen. And I don't think they ever really explain that, but it makes sense to me because she has been dead. So it makes sense that she could show up anyone that has died. It can show up as anyone who has died. So again, let's go, let's see, what else did I forget? Oh, I thought it was interesting. This episode this episode is the only episode of the entire series that does not have Xander in it. Nicholas Brendan as Xander. This is the only episode of the series, according to the, the episode guide, that has the title of the episode. Because the, the episode opens with the song. You see the title of the episode, Conversations with Dead People, and the date. And it does say November 12th, 2002, which is 20 years ago today. So they knew what day that this episode was going to air. So that was just a cool touch, I thought, just having the date on there. I don't know. I liked it. Um, and so uh, let's do ratings because my voice is scratchy today. Object of the episode, again, is that feather necklace. Silver feather necklace. <laughs> Outfit of the episode. I'm going to also give that to Angie Hart because she was wearing... 
Um, everybody else was just wearing pretty nondescript outfits. You know, it wasn't about whatever it was that they were wearing. Like, you couldn't even really see what anyone was wearing for the most part. Um, it was just generic clothes, really. But Angie Hart was wearing not only that cool feather necklace, but she was also wearing this sort of like this mesh like top dress thing over pants, but under a lacy tank top. So it was like the, like the tank top was over the sheer thing kind of, but then the sheer thing was over the pants. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it was like an, it was like a beaded, it was almost like a beaded Indian curtain moment, <laughs> but it was also somehow a dress. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm sure there's better words for it, better fashion words for it, but she just looked great. It, she looked great. I would have worn her, I would wear her outfit tomorrow, really. Actually, no, because it was sleeveless and it's going to be cold tomorrow, but other than that, I would wear it tomorrow. So, I'm going to give the outfit to Angie Hart. The quote, it eats you starting with your bottom, of course. MVP, you know, I was going to say Willow and I am proud of her that she like stood up for herself, that she didn't fall for the stupid kill yourself bullshit from the first, but I'm going to give it to Dawn just because she was, she was a little bit more fierce. She was dealing with a lot more fear and a lot more difficult of a situation. And she really, she really got it done. You know, even if she wasn't really talking to her mom, she still, she got it done. Five by five. You know, this is one of my top 10 episodes. Um, the only thing that really could have made the episode better would be if Amber Benson could have been there. Truly. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just like spacing out. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Yes. Okay. Um, sorry if this was like lackluster tonight, guys. <laughs> I'm just like hung over from all the socializing yesterday. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Um, so that's it. That's it with conversations for dead. I will conversations with dead people. I will be back next week where we will talk about sleeper. So that's the one where we find out what spike has been up to. And hopefully we find out why by the end of the episode, I can't remember. Um, this is an adventure because I, I think season seven is probably the season I've seen the least amount of times and it's been minimum seven years since I've seen it. <laughs> You know, since I've been doing this project, I have not watched any episodes from any other seasons. So I've only been watching episodes along with this project. Um, anyway, so that's it. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye.